0: Hi folks, a very quick announcement before we get started on the episode this week, and that is a huge thank you to Katie Unicorn-Stewart. I don't know if your middle name really is Unicorn, if it is, that is an awesome name. So the fabulous Katie Unicorn-Stewart gave us a recent review on Apple Podcasts about the recent Governance Summit Summary. So five stars for Take On Board, she says, loved the recent Governance Summit Summary podcasts, super useful. Katie, happy to help. Thank you so much. And thanks for taking the time to do a review. So a little prompt for others that might be listening. I love it when I get reviews and you might get read out on the pod as well. So get in there and work out how to do ratings and reviews
1: and let me know what you think of the pod.
0: All right, on with the show.
1: Everyone that's on a board is a problem solver, right? And the best way to problem solve is to break it into small parts. Mm. So whereas the avalanche of change and technologies is going to be in and of itself, is kind of scary and it's, oh, my God, this is overwhelming. overwhelming. (laughs) It's not. Take it like we take any other problem and break it down into a smaller part.
0: Hello, and welcome to the Take On Board podcast, where we talk all things boards and governance. I'm your host, Halja Svensson. Being on a board can be interesting, valuable, and exciting, yet it can also be really lonely, challenging, and hard. So, here at Take On Board, we'll bring you weekly tips, tricks, and advice to help you build your governance wisdom. We'll shine a light on how to navigate your way onto your first board or to build your board portfolio will also help you to work through those challenges that keep you awake at night. Each week, I'll talk to women who have been there, done that, and together we'll discover what we need to take on board to be your best in the boardroom. Today on the Take On Board podcast, I'll be speaking with Jennifer George about how you can make a valuable contribution in the boardroom in discussions around technology, even if you're not a technology whiz. So firstly, let me tell you about Jennifer. Jennifer is the CEO of Strategic Commercialisation Australia, a firm which works inside businesses to bring new technologies to market. Jennifer has a background in finance. She's made several companies and worked in more than 50 industry sectors, including new energy, biotech, telecommunications, digital twins, blockchain and smart cities. She's currently on the advisory panel for Smart Cities for Standards Australia and was previously an advisory board member for Little Tokyo 2, a startup incubator. Welcome to the Take On Board podcast, Jennifer. Thank you, Helia.
1: Thank you. That's a really nice introduction.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, Jennifer, before we explore technology, we've heard your official bio, but can you tell me a little more about you? Yeah, well,
1: oh, gosh, I think you're going to find that I have the most diverse background that you'll ever come across. <laughs> so, I started as an art teacher, then I went to the U.S. as a professional squash player. I uh, worked with a few startups during the the tech boom, and um, then I worked in finance, moving to Wall Street to work in um, the in finance in, just before. 2008 and then I started building companies and as one does when one becomes a consulting company you take whatever business can come to you so Mm -hmm. my first jobs were in oil remediation and water purification and all that kind of stuff so I had to turn my mind to all different things that I didn't know about and that's why I can tell you that it is possible to do whatever you want to do in terms of tech, you can understand it. You've really got this. Mm. Yeah. yeah, Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So I mentioned in your introduction that you've
0: made a number of companies and I know when we had a brief chat prior to this, I'm like, you made companies. What does that mm. mean? So for the Take On Board community, can you talk yeah. us through, what does that mean?
1: Yeah, hell yeah, that's a really great question because not many people understand what commercialisation is mm. per se. It's all different things and people are founders, and but I'm not a founder. Mm. I'm actually the great forgotten part of a company, right? Because when I have to take a technology, I need to realise, look at it um, and say, okay, this has this potential and then I'll say, okay, let's test it at the market and let's test it with its patenting and let's test it with all these different milestones and then say, Well, hey, hang on that could probably make a good company. So then you try and get all the Mm. people involved who you need. So I'll need a founder. I'll Mm. need a funder. I'll need people who are industry experts to say how great it is and to be on the board, to be Mm. advisors. So I need all those different parts and pieces. But then I also need the supply chain. I need to understand who will benefit from this, who will want to get money from this, who will be a first customer, all Mm. of those things. But then once that's done, you do the negotiation and you're completely out of the picture. Mm. Yeah, so you ba- basically I'm in the profession of raising a baby and letting it go. <laughs> so, yeah. because, because the entrepreneurs have to own it. It has to be their idea. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, they have to say it wasn't yours. <laughs> well, yes. not, not, not they didn't yeah. even get to that point of saying it. It's just assumed that they were right there from the beginning and they didn't even need you. <laughs> so yes. Yeah. You, you are yeah. totally the
0: behind-the-scenes yeah. woman that totally. makes so it So if happen. you're going
1: into commercialization to be a superstar, Mhm. It's not going to happen. <laughs> it's not going to happen. They won't be going, "Oh, look, pick her out the crowd." Right. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Yeah.
0: Okay. That yeah. is Really great background info, not only about commercialisation, but also about you and how you operate as well. So thank you.
1: Mm. Um,
0: Now, I mentioned that you're a member of the advisory panel on Smart Cities. Can you tell us about that organisation?
1: Yeah, look, um, the the Standards Australia obviously is a very prestigious panel for Australia. They uh, review all of the standards in all the different areas and then they have subcommittees and each one has a, a... particular area of interest and my area of interest is smart cities so smart cities gosh we see all of these different pieces of uh, standards at various points of being developed all mm. the time so some of them are about cloud some of them about data some of them about um, digital twins other others about AI integration so you really have to be across all these different technologies And where I absolutely know from this, the the digital transformation that's going to take place in the next five years Mm -hmm. is going to go out of mind-blowing proportion in those next five years. So whereas before we saw individual types of tech, Mm -hmm. now it's going to be through two or three. So AI with Mm -hmm. machine learning, with digital twin, with blockchain and that integrated will have to become our new, uh, what path is, and right, that'll be remaking the foundations of our economy. And that's really important, because in the past, it was okay to say, oh, well, you know, I just don't know about that thing. Mm-hmm. But now that thing will be an integral part of this other thing. All right. And so you can't just remove yourself from part of the conversation, you have to own it Mm. and be able to participate in it and so that's why I really think it's important for people who are non-technical to realize that you have got this you are definitely able to be part of the conversation so what I want to talk to you about today is really about that real second Mm. that moment when you get offered the opportunity to talk about a technology and you the blind goes up And you say, oh, no, no, that's not my area or, oh, you know, I'd really like to know about this but I don't have a degree or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. that obstacle just is not necessary. Be confident in your own knowledge and I have these kind of key points that I think will help to tell that.
0: I know in my own board experience and I have no doubt for some of the people listening, we, you know, technology is and digital disruption is something that is discussed more and more in the boardroom and it's not an area of specialty for everybody in that boardroom so where lots of us are grappling with that transition to the digital economy and lots of us are feeling a little out of our depth Mm. in those conversations and a little overwhelmed by it all so it would be great if we could talk through some of your tips for those of us in the boardroom who are grappling with it and some ways we can feel more confident to Mm. deal with issues around technology and those technology discussions. So where should we begin? Well, the
1: first thing you want to know is that, this you know already, but let me just make it clear, Mm. that every subject has its own vocabulary And in some ways it's kind of exclusionary by nature. I mean, you don't go to the doctor and expect them to tell you about basic things. Mm-hmm. You expect them to talk in, in Latin and diseases and all that kind of stuff. Engineers have similar kind of language mm-hmm. barriers. Every technology, and I've worked in 50, yes, all have a language barrier. But mm. once you've got used to the vocabulary and the acronyms, maybe a few concepts as well, then you've pretty much got a good idea. You can start to settle into that conversation. Mm. So it's really only knowing just a little bit more than what you currently do. So you know if you look at it as a language barrier instead of a knowledge barrier mm. this is really important so for example in engineering i might talk about chemical hydrolysis right or thermal hydrolysis and you go oh well you know i'm not an engineer that's not me but you know chemical hydrolysis is just using chemicals to break something down mm-hmm. and thermal hydrolysis is just using hot water mm-hmm. to break something down so if you wash up your dishes every day <laughs> You're doing. The... Look at me. I'm a thermal hydrologist. <laughs> thermal hydrologist. Yeah, Exactly. I'm doing thermal hydrologs, and, and that's the whole point. It's just the vocabulary. These underlying concepts for thinking about, you know, AI. We know the intelligence side. Yes. So we know what it is to raise a child, and we know that we have to say the same thing to them four million times in mm-hmm. order to get an action. Well, that's what AI, when training an AI, you've got to have at least 700 repetitions of the same Mm. information in order to develop the first basic AI. Mm. And then as soon as that AI starts to come up with solutions of its own and is is trained a little further, it becomes machine learning and it becomes more general and starts to be having more of a decisive element to it. Then you've got artificial general intelligence. All of those things we already know. Mm. So, we're
0: so it's applying just, our own general knowledge yeah, to yeah. a technical space and just having that confidence to apply our exactly. own general knowledge to a technical exactly. space.
1: Yeah, so that's point one, I mm. think. The second point is basically we always assume when we don't have knowledge, we mm-hmm. assume everybody else is an expert yep. where you're like, oh yeah, you must be the best. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, like I said, 50 industries. I know that there's a lot of fakers out there. <laughs> <laughs> Not everybody is real. There's a lot of really good and highly qualified people. Don't get me wrong here. I, you know, I don't say any of this conversation in order to devalue or to minimize the education and the 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 importance of any of these subjects mm. it's just that we really have to understand what we need to learn yes. in order to be successful mm. right so those people who are, are so-called experts well as soon as you start to ask questions and as soon as you become more confident then you'll realize that actually you have a lot more of what you need to do, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. the next point is really that AI and all of those other areas only exist within a context, mm. right? Yes. I can't do AI about nothing. Mm-hmm. It has to be about pharmaceuticals mm-hmm. or health or something else. Every part of the digital world it has to be aligned with something else. Mm. And here's the most exciting part. You already know about that field. Yes. So yeah. there's 50% of what you need to do in order to take you to the best use of that technology, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. So you already have half of what's needed and the other part is just determining what the subject matter is, you know, and looking at, well, okay, I've figured out the vocabulary, I've figured out the main ideas and then, oh, guess what? I'm in the conversation. Yes. So then if you can get into the conversation, Mm -hmm then you've got all these people who are actually training you to know more Mm -hmm. about the subject. Yes. Except, I guess, if you go into a conversation, you know, most people, you know, they start talking about AI, for Mm -hmm. example, or, Mm -hmm. you know... um, smart cities, or digital twins, and they say, oh, yeah, she you know, I don't really know what a digital twin is, yes, right? I don't really know what a digital <laughs> twin is, so it'd be great if you could explain it to yeah, me, so See, I'm di- not afraid to ask this yeah, stupid question. <laughs> well, exactly, <laughs> exactly. A digital twin is basically a digital representation of a city. It could be a person or mm. a process or a manufacturing, but a digital twin is a real-time dynamic model mm. where you can try out, you can collect data, mm-hmm. do predictive analytics to be mm. able to figure out what mm. might go wrong or yep. maybe you might try a different solution or something like that but you can do look smart cities are very mm-hmm. much about what data can we extract and then can we use it real time can we provide it real time to our citizens instead mm. of actually just making it so they have to kind of put in an application three months later and then you get it all <laughs> you know yeah. it, it's real time so the digital twin is basically at a basic level it's a three-dimensional model Mm -hmm. but then it actually has to deliver some real-time benefit Mm -hmm. of knowing and it's over time so it's not just 3d it becomes 4d yeah right right Right. so okay i'm glad i asked the fourth dimensional over time right so you can understand is something going to wear out is the process going to work over time Mm -hmm. i worked on a biorefinery and uh they had a very small amount of acid in their chemical hydrolysis Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm program which you now are expert at yes <laughs> of course. So, but in the lab studies, they used this small amount of acid in their mix for their process. Mm-hmm. But when they went into major production, the acid in the mix sat on the bottom of the um, tanks mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And so a little bit of acid, was, which was nothing in a trial, you know, when you're doing your pilots and all that kind of stuff over short term, over a long term, burnt through all of ah, the pipe work, right? And right? So we actually had to replace all of the uh, the processing plant equipment mm-hmm. because this tiny bit of acid mm-hmm. over time created a different response than what it did uh, in the short term. So understanding how things work over time is fundamental to building a great company, right? Yes. And so. With digital technologies, when people start to think of how this is going to work for us, they have to think about how it's going to operate with their existing systems Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and how, you know, what legacy systems they have that need to be changed but also how we'll interoperate with new connectivity then. So a hospital might want to become connected to a whole city, Mm -hmm. the electricity their modification might want to become closer connected to the grid, not just on a uh, electricity delivery basis but on a, a data collection basis to mm-hmm. understand how we could deliver much better electricity in the long run. So understanding how these things ought to go together. They work with the digital twin, but they also work with data collection. There's no reason in collecting data unless you're Mm -hmm. going to use it. You know, so this is the point where I'm trying to be from the beginning Mm -hmm. is it was okay to sit on the sideline before and say, hey, you know, 5G is 5G. It's not going to affect anything. But 5G is going to affect a whole lot of things and it Mm -hmm. will be part of the digital twin and it will be part of a smart city and it will have all of these different ways of affecting a lot of people put in internet of things yes but they don't think about what telecommunication system they're going to need for that and and they don't understand that they have to have a you know business information system in order to integrate that so there's all these different elements when you start to think about Mm. um, technology and i guess one of my last points and i know the conversation will go further but Mm. one of my last points is really that there's so much. Yes. We're so worried that, you know, we all are problem solvers, mm. right? Everyone that's mm. on a board is a problem solver, right? And the best way to problem solve is to break it into small parts. Mm. So whereas the avalanche of change in technologies is going to be in and of itself, is kind of scary and it's, oh, my God, this is overwhelming. overwhelming. <laughs> it's not. Take it like we take any other problem and break it down into its smaller parts, Mm -hmm. right, and make sure that we kind of addressing those smaller parts one at a time. Yes. Go back, learn the vocabulary. Mm. Look for concrete examples. Look for examples within your industry Mm -hmm. and try and say, well, okay, I don't need to know all about this. I know about my industry. These parts I need to know. So if you were to go and say... Say, well, okay, I'm in the pharmaceutical industry or well, the health industry, just yeah. say, say health industry yeah. generally. So you say, well, okay, what can I find to read about this? And you, in a traditional education world, you'd go back and you'd go, oh, okay. I'm going to get what is AI and then how does it work and <laughs> yes. then how would I implement it and what are the different signals and how do I, how do I put this into practice? And mm-hmm. that's the way you would make an engineer in that particular subject. Mm-hmm. That's not what you need. Mm. I have learned there's this really cool way of learning stuff. Yes. And that is simply... Go where your curiosity takes you. Mm. Find a subject, like, so you want to know about AI. Well, find an article that tells you about AI in the pharmaceutical industry and find something that has, you know, that's really interesting to you. Like how much new revenue is AI going to deliver to the pharmaceutical industry? Yes. And then think about what the reverse of that, what's the reverse of that? Oh, what's going to be the downside mm. of AI in our industry? So follow the thread as long as your curiosity takes you. Yes. There's really good evidence to suggest that uh, if you do that, you will actually remember it more. Mm, absolutely. Because, yeah, you know, I mean, you look at your, remember your class at school, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you fall asleep and you don't really remember anything. Yes. Well, this is an opportunity where you just say, okay, which, which, where can the information take me? And my hypothesis is that if you do that, for, if you ch- sit down and choose the areas that are really most interesting to you and mm. then you follow those threads yes. of information yourself mm. for, you know, I don't know, three weeks, then you really make some, some headway. Mm. In the first week, yes. you'll just be learning the vocabulary. Yes. In the second week, you'll be starting to have conversations. Right? mhm and in the third week you should be ready to kind of go to a conference or go to a meeting where everybody's talking that cuz when people talk to you about a subject it's just the perfect way to learn yes you know hi you know I, I i know a little bit about thermal hydrolysis yes tell me a little bit more <laughs> yes. you know and then you get going and people tell you and then you just say something like how would it relate to my industry mm. Or um, what are the things that I would trip up people? You know, what are the biggest problems in this? Because you open that conversation, then people will start to share. And I have not found any time where you don't won't have a ready flow of people who want to be your expert. Well, I was going to ask you
0: this exactly. For you, where do you find the people that are going to help you with these sorts of
1: conversations? Where would you start? Look, I talk to people on the tram. i do honestly i i talk to people at airports i talk to them everywhere you'd be amazed Mm -hmm. where you will find people with remarkable knowledge Mm -hmm. and if you just assume so there's this confidence that you're not going to make a fool of yourself Mm -hmm. that you're not going to be tripped up by somebody else's knowledge Mm -hmm. That you just, you know, oh, that's interesting. Tell me more, you know, help help me to understand that. And Mm. and you'll be surprised how much one or two pieces of vocabulary that shows your understanding helps you to get further along the path. Mm. Right. I've been doing new tech since I left finance in two thousand and nine. Yeah. Since then I've read about three thousand PhD papers. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah. So how? But the first, well, the first <laughs> ones, I was like, this. I became a Wikipedia queen. Yes. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh. So I had all this uh, timber technology. It was all about microbials in timber and i just went on this hockey stick learning curve mm. and but once you do that then you start to see similarities mm. you see we hold ourselves back so much and i can say that i hold myself back in a lot of things but not in learning yeah. in learning i'm a free wheeler i don't put the brake on mm-hmm. and if i find a path to something that i'm interested in then i will travel along and learn that but once you're free wheeling you can say oh Where did that take him? What do I need? What what can I understand from that? How can I know this area better? Mm. And you get the same excitement that you will get from other things like sport or running or information it becomes like an endorphin rush almost just understanding the world you live in I used to have a friend who who made you j- who like to do multi-sized jigsaw puzzles and he used to do but his 5,000 piece jigsaw puzzles only had a picture of sky oh
0: my goodness okay <laughs> yeah. making it difficult <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah
1: exactly so if li- li- you think about jigsaw puzzles when there's a point where you go from I don't know where it is to, oh, I see most of the pieces. Mm -hmm. I see a vision. And I also, in seeing that vision, I've also become more aware of the unique intricacies of each of the pieces Mm. right and you can, oh yes this one will shape into that one all that kind of thing as soon as you start to dig into a subject you get that excitement of going past the discovery stage into the really rich area of knowledge Mm. that you say oh that's exactly like that or you know I when I was doing um uh, finance in wall street we did monte carlo simulation simulations for how much what a portfolio will be mm-hmm. one of my most fun things when they very early i was walking down second avenue and and uh, i heard someone talk about a, a monte carlo simulation in engineering and i thought oh, that's an area that i actually already know and yes. i know i can translate that happens all of the time so once you start moving across different industries you've really got this, you <laughs> really can understand all these different things because you just take the step Yes. and it's really exciting to do that. Mm.
0: So where might be, you know, I think I'm hearing that the first step is getting across the language and some of the kind of technical terms around it all. Have you got any suggestions for resources for people about where they might start? If if they're not going to start with the 3000 PhD (laughs) thesis,
1: where might be? a Look, start on an article. Look, there's such good press articles that you can get now. Mm -hmm. I would just do a Google search. Like I said, just find something like so, what's um, the CAGA for growth of AI in our industry or where would a digital twin fit in the health industry? And then what you would do then is I'd sit with that article and then just write down the Mm. words that I don't understand Mm -hmm. and then just go and search those. Yes. And then once you've done that little bit of a search, yeah, acronyms Mm. or the abbreviations, I should correctly say, they always trip everybody up and I've got to say... An ASIC in silicon chips is different from an ASIC in finance, you know? Yes. So, so people use the same terms in a whole lot of different industries. So yes. you've got to be aware that things have different meanings. And then read another one. Yes. And then what I would typically do is say, well, maybe I should write a page or something about how I feel about this subject. Yeah. And what that does for me is it makes, when you know, when you read something, you get a good cursory information and you could certainly answer a question on it Mm -hmm. but to actually be able to feel confident about it you need to put in what your position is and it's a really great way Mm. of doing things so understanding that if you write it down even just for two two pages that's it yeah and then you say your position and then you become become a lot more comfortable about this and honestly like I said you know if you do the vocabulary and you understand that you're 50% of the way already, mm-hmm. and then you move that benchmark back and say, well, the guy who I thought was an expert it only knows the information around delivering that pitch or that subject. They are only an expert to the point that they need to know. Mm. Well, that's all you need to be. Yeah, and it's ex- you want a e- much more equal footing. Exactly. You need to be the expert to mm. the point you need to know. If you put it, say, oh, well, you know, I can't speak until I'm a PhD in this. Yeah. <laughs> it's putting way too much unnecessary pressure on you. Understand that you are expert in your industry and no one other than someone in that industry is going to be able to deliver the great questions. Mm. And every piece of data is undermined has to have a great question that it's solving it doesn't operate by itself so find those great questions and then work backwards yes and honestly it will be very much more a sense of confidence that you bring to the table and here's the last well another thing I don't know always have too (laughs) many last things but anyway (laughs) developing a culture a leadership culture Mm. that has the whole area of digital transformation embedded in it that has the confidence. If you, as a leader and a board member, offer your company the opportunity to start to think about how can we all be confident? How could we mm. push to them a feeling like they've you've got this? Yes. If your supply chain people start to embrace new technologies and, and are given the opportunity to show and share their ideas because we respect the fact that they already know 50% of what we need to do, then you're actually creating a wonderful environment to grow into this new area that was scary before. Mm. But it's not scary now because you take a little bit of time to get the vocabulary and understand it And then, okay, we're going to have a whole company. We're not going to invite an expert in and and kind of go, ooh, ah, and go after the next shiny new object. You know, what we're going to do is we're going to be really well informed and the people that we bring in, they're going to add to our information But Mm -hmm. you know what? We already own 50% of this information. So we're going to be asking them the tough questions. We're going to ask them to apply this. We're going to be able to pull up where there's a problem with, you know, you're not really solving our problem. Do we need to bring in other pieces of technology? Is the solution we need an integration of two or three parts? Or is it something that a product will do or something we need to do a custom build for? Whatever it is, you actually are looking from a a delivery perspective and building a whole team within your company, mm. all who are thinking along the same way. And the whole culture within the organisation. Yes.
0: Oh, Jennifer, That's exciting. so <laughs> many incredibly practical yeah. Yeah, um, well, suggestions well, and tips well, and tricks for you. people for feeling a little bit less overwhelmed by some of this technology conversation I hope
1: so I mean I really do believe it you've got this Mm. you really do have it just believe that you have it and take a bit of time to learn the vocabulary and it will be possible to actually make this into a new way of thinking on a larger scale Mm -hmm. what I'd like you like your listeners to do is to create a, a hashtag you've got this technology I started off with the idea of hashtag you've got this but it's been taken by so many different people. Yes. But so but make it the technology at the end for two reasons. We can actually write down our journey. Mm, and, and help each other out. Right, and help each other out. But also the writing of itself does that, gives a purpose to that one or two pages that you start to think about yes. in terms of, What's my position on this? Where do I stand? And how do I know this? And what do I need to know? All of those real questions. And imagine if we had a more educated whole community mm. with the, the joy that comes from that. Ah.
0: Yeah. Oh. Well, I think that is a beautiful spot Mm. for us to finish our conversation on. Mm. And as I say, a conversation so rich in practical tips and ideas. So thank thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your wisdom with the community. Uh Yeah, I think it'll be incredibly helpful for people. So thank you. You're very welcome. That's a wrap for the Take On Board podcast today. I do this podcast because I love bringing good women together. So it's great to be able to share these conversations that I'm having with this amazing group of women with you. Now, can I ask a favour? Could you share this podcast with someone you know? Perhaps you can share it with some of your board colleagues or someone else that you know that's interested in exploring all things boards and governance. With your help, we can grow the Take On Board community. Last but not least, if you want to continue the conversation, you can also join us over in the Take On Board Facebook group where there's lots of great discussions, tips, tricks and resources being shared. I would love it if you can join in the conversation there. You can find it by searching Take On Board in Facebook. Thanks for listening and tune in next week for another fabulous conversation.